What's up, MLB Morning Coffee listeners? We have our first sponsor. Please welcome to the show, Sit Stay Paul. Is there a better feeling than walking through the door and seeing your dog so excited to see you? There really is nothing better than a happy, healthy dog. Sit Stay Paul, Boston-based dog treat company, focused on all natural, healthy ingredients, is dedicated to helping dogs live happier, healthier lives. At Sit Stay Paw, they treat dogs as part of the family and understand you do too. That's why they use the highest quality all-natural ingredients in each dog treat. Each recipe has been developed along board-certified veterinary nutritionists and is packed with the flavors your dog loves and the nutrition they need. Stocking stuffer ideas? Do your friends have dogs? Sit Stay Paw's Blueberry Pancake Chewies are made with real blueberries full of antioxidants, fiber, and vitamin C and K the perfect stocking stuffer dip for your friendly pooch. Their carob chip chewies are a natural sweet treat your dog will love, full of vitamins A, B, D, calcium, iron, magnesium, everything your dog needs. For the next four weeks, listeners can go to sitstaypaw.com. That's www.sitstaypaw.com. And on Facebook and Instagram, at sitstaypaw. And use code MLBCOFFEE. That's right, MLBCOFFEE for 10% off your first order. Take a pic, throw it on the gram, get your dog on the Sit Stay Paw Instagram. Sit Stay Paw, go get your dog a treat. Now, on with the show. Ah, yes. Happy December, everybody, and welcome to MLB Morning Coffee. 31 shows in 31 days, including Christmas. Yes. We are putting the full blitz back on as we go into the Major League Baseball offseason. Yes, some of our episodes are going to end up being pre-recorded because we're going to do some season review episodes. But this morning, I want to do one live, and we're going to have some of our season previews beginning later in the week. We'll potentially have a live show tomorrow morning as well if there is any significant news. Now, I sometimes, I got to admit to you, I record episodes the night before, and I have them in the mirage of I actually recorded them early in the morning. Now, look, I live on the West Coast. I'm not getting up at 3 a.m. to record a show. Okay, I need to be able to sleep, too. But I didn't record anything last night because I wanted to put something out this morning when I knew what was going to happen with Minor League Baseball's contraction plan. And the reason I say that is that there were rumors coming out yesterday that the full list of 120 affiliated minor league baseball teams would be released today. However, I waited, I waited, I waited some more, and then I decided, you know what, we're just going to record this, and whatever happens, we'll make it into an episode tomorrow if it does happen. However, there was some minor league baseball news that happened yesterday. We're going to get into that off the top. But first... A very big thank you to our first sponsor, Sit Stay Paw. You heard them off the top. Go check them out at sitstaypaw.com if you want some awesome treats for your dog. Sitstaypaw.com. Again, go check them out online. My buddy Greg Miller is the owner, founder, and CEO. I don't own a dog. I'm not allowed to in my San Francisco abode here in the Ocean Avenue studios. But if I did, I would surely be getting them treats from Sit, Stay, Paul. All right, on to the show, and now let's talk a little minor league baseball adjustments. 
So Major League Baseball made two big announcements yesterday. The first in regards to what they're calling the Draft League. So Major League Baseball has tried to put a monopoly on collegiate summer leagues. Effectively, they're trying to own baseball. They've already set up partnerships with the Independent Atlantic League, the Frontier League, and the American Association, which are the three biggest in the country in regards to independent baseball. You've got a couple other leagues like the Pacific Association, which I once worked in, and the Pecos League, which is a pay-for-play league. Earlier in the offseason, Major League Baseball announced that the Appalachian League, which was previously rookie advanced affiliated, was going to become a collegiate woodbat league for rising freshmen and rising sophomores, or rather rising sophomores and rising juniors, players that just completed their freshman and their sophomore years. So guys that are two years and one year away from draft eligibility. The draft league comprises four teams from the former New York Penn League and one team that was a former double-A team. They are from the New York Penn League, the Mahoning Valley Scrappers, a former Indians affiliate, the State College Spikes, a former Cardinals affiliate, the West Virginia Black Bears, a former Pirates affiliate, and the Williamsport Crosscutters, a former Phillies affiliate, and the former AA affiliate of the New York Yankees, the Trenton Thunder. What the Draft League is going to do, and this is a concept to me that already exists in summer ball because I saw it. The Draft League is going to give draft-eligible players a chance to play additional games in front of scouts before the Major League Baseball draft. So if you're a junior and you want to get a few more games in after your collegiate season is over, you can go play in the Draft League. It's going to be 68 games, six teams. They're still working on a sixth team. It should end in early August. And basically the eligibility for it is you have to be draft-eligible, which would mean that you're finishing up your senior year of high school and you haven't entered college yet, you can go play in this league in theory, although I don't think that's going to happen. Or you're going to be a junior or a senior that has not been drafted yet. Now, as a junior, this is your first chance to be drafted if you go to an NCAA school, meaning a non-JUCO or NAIA school, since you entered college, because it's three years before you get draft eligibility. Now, for a lot of guys that are projected first-round picks, I don't know why they want to go play more baseball. This league, I think, is more for the guys that are fringe-level draftees, guys that would be taken in the 20th round and above. These are players that want to show off their skills for scouts, and these players probably feel like this is the best opportunity I have to get in front of Major League Baseball scouts. And the reason I say that is that if they're playing in this league, then they don't feel like they were properly scouted during the collegiate season. More so, guys that have just finished up their collegiate career, seniors, that did not get drafted as juniors, they want to be able to play a little bit more baseball to show that they deserve to have their baseball careers continue. However, I don't see this as anything other than a repackaging of collegiate summer league baseball. These players are not getting paid... And they're playing on a very similar timeline to most collegiate summer leagues. So basically, this is another collegiate summer league that is taking the place of affiliated baseball in five, potentially six markets that previously had it. It's Major League Baseball's promise of not yanking baseball away completely from communities that they wanted to de-affiliate with. I think a lot of people thought that this was going to be the path for the New York Penn League. 
However, it's a little bit surprising that A, not more New York Penn League teams are in here, and B, that the Trenton Thunder, who were, per the New York Yankees press release announcing they had affiliated with the Somerset Patriots of the Atlantic League, said that Trenton was going to be offered a spot in the Atlantic League, the highest level of independent baseball in the country. So I don't understand necessarily what the Trenton Thunder are trying to accomplish here. Maybe this is a better move for their business model. Maybe their net positives are greater doing collegiate summer league baseball than necessarily doing independent league baseball. But they made this decision. They wanted the security. And again, this is still a league that is associated with MLB It is just not an official affiliated baseball league simply because it's not professional baseball. It's amateur baseball, but it's MLB sponsored amateur baseball. So now you have four teams in the New York Penn League plus a former Eastern League team and the entire Appalachian League that have turned from affiliated minor league baseball teams into major league baseball sponsored collegiate wood bat teams. It's pretty clear that Major League Baseball was going to tell these teams, you take this deal or you're on your own. And these five teams decided they were going to take the deal, except for maybe the Trenton Thunder, who we talked about just a couple of moments ago. But for the Williamsport Crosscutters, the West Virginia Black Bears, the Mahoning Valley Scrappers, and the State College Spikes, this was feasibly the best and only option that they had moving forward. Additionally, the Pioneer League, also a former Class A Rookie Advanced League, a league that I worked in for two years, is going to be an MLB Partner Independent League. The move was announced yesterday shortly after MLB announced the Draft League. And this move for the Pioneer League makes all the sense in the world. All eight teams that previously comprised the league, which are the Billings Mustangs, the Missoula Paddleheads, the Great Falls Voyagers, my former Idaho Falls Chuckers, the Ogden Raptors, the Orem Owls, who are now going to be moving to Northern Colorado. They're going to be known as the Northern Colorado Owls, the Rocky Mountain Vibes, and the Grand Junction Rockies are going to stay in those respective cities and in those communities and play a 92-game Pioneer League schedule, which is up from the 76 games that it was previously. The Pioneer League would begin its season shortly after the draft and end it a week after Labor Day. Yes, the Pioneer League would continue its regular season until after Labor Day, and the playoffs usually wouldn't end until around September 15th to the 17th. Most minor league baseball playoffs are done well before then. The Pioneer League is seeking to start just after Memorial Day and finish just after Labor Day. This is a big win for the Pioneer League, whereas before it looked like the Pioneer League was going to be wiped off the map and left to fend for themselves. Now they are going to be a partner independent league with MLB and are going to actually have some of their operating costs subsidized. Now, this has not been confirmed yet or not, but rumors have it that Major League Baseball is going to actually make this into a co-op league meaning that players that play for these teams are actually owned by Major League Baseball teams and not by the actual independent teams themselves. Again, that information is not confirmed, but that is what a couple of unnamed sources are telling me. So basically, you could have one team that is comprised of 30 guys, and 10 of those guys each are owned by a different Major League Baseball team. 
So in a sense, you are still getting affiliated baseball. You're just not getting every player on your team associated with one affiliate. And I should correct what I said earlier. There is still a chance that some of these teams could sign players on their own and have them fit in with the players that are already owned by the Major League Baseball teams on the roster. There is still a lot to work out here, and I think that these teams are just happy that they are going to be in existence moving forward for the long term. Also on this note, which I think feeds into the relevancy of this topic, Major League Baseball raised its player development cap from 150 to 180, meaning a Major League Baseball team can have at least 180 players under contract in their player development system as opposed to the 150 before, which basically, if you do the math, means that a lot of those extra players are going to end up spending time in this Pioneer League. And when you think about it, these players are going to end up in other independent leagues that are the partner leagues of Major League Baseball. Basically, now you're seeing with this raise in the player development cap, but also with the drop in the amount of minor league teams that there are going to be, this is Major League Baseball's new player development model. They are going to have satellite players playing in independent leagues and then moving those players up if those performances are deemed worthy of a promotion. It's a very different model from what Major League Baseball has done in the past with their minor league baseball system, but I think that given what Rob Manfred has wanted to do with minor league baseball, at least for my friends in the Pioneer League, I am overjoyed that they are going to keep baseball in their communities. They have some of the best attendance on average of any affiliated baseball league out there. In fact, this was a great stat that somebody pointed out. No disrespect to the Florida State League. But the lowest drawing team in the Pioneer League had an average attendance that was higher than more than half of the Florida State League. Figure that one out. The Florida State League's not going away, but the Pioneer League is not going to be an affiliated league anymore. Again, figure that one out. It's all about money for Major League Baseball. I'm just glad that the Pioneer League is going to stay in existence, even though it won't be a full affiliated league anymore. So the Kansas City Royals have made some news in free agency. They went out and they signed Michael Taylor to a $1.75 million one-year contract. He's probably going to be a starting outfielder. And they signed Mike Miner to a two-year deal. Royals general manager Dayton Moore says that they are not done dealing this offseason, but I think it's worth noting that the Royals feel like they're in a position now to where they can compete in 2021. They've got a very good young pitching staff and a core of position players that's only going to get better. The Kansas City Royals are an organization that in terms of their development, I'm very familiar with. I worked in their minor league system in 2019, and I can tell you that they do things the right way. Now, for this small market team to be willing to spend a little bit in free agency, even though it's on two guys that you're not going to deem as superstars, I don't think anybody would ever determine that Mike Miner and Michael Taylor were superstars. They're still productive role players that could take a Royals team from being below average to probably mediocre. And I think that for the Royals, it's all about building internally to get to the point where you feel like you can compete with the players that you've developed. Your starting rotation is going to be some form of Brad Keller, Brady Singer, 
Chris Bubich, Daniel Lynch, Jackson Kowar, Alec Marsh, Asa Lacey, and other guys that I haven't named yet. They've got a really solid developmental group of pitchers. And guys also, if they feel like they have a group of guys that they want to roll with, they can trade some of that young starting pitching talent in order to get productive position player pieces. So the Royals have made some news in free agency. Let's go to another team that made a little bit of news last week. Charlie Morton signed a one-year $15 million contract with the Atlanta Braves, a coming-home party for him because the Braves, many years ago, were the team that drafted Charlie Morton. This is the same yearly contract that Morton would have been paid by the Tampa Bay Rays had they picked up his option for this upcoming year. I personally think that Charlie Morton still has one more year left in the tank, and his addition provides that extra rotational piece that Atlanta needs to get over the hump. They now have a starting rotation of Max Freed, Mike Soroka, Ian Anderson, Charlie Morton, and Drew Smiley, who they signed to a one-year $11 million deal earlier in the offseason. The Braves are really the only team that has made any significant moves, but again, they signed both Morton and Smiley to one-year contracts, which means they are in it to win it in 2021. They came oh-so-close in 2020. I would think that the Braves are the presumptive favorite to win the National League in 2021. Yes, I'm calling you out, Dodgers, because you still have some question marks that you have to address. Although, look, let's face it, the Dodgers are probably going to be heralded as the favorites by most. I'm just going to put the Braves out there as the favorites because if the Braves had been able to play solid baseball at the end of the NLCS, I think they would have gotten to the World Series. That's just my opinion. Doesn't make it right, doesn't make it wrong but I think that Atlanta has as good a chance as anybody to win the National League in 2021. A lot of rumors have been flying around about Tampa Bay Rays ace Blake Snell and his ability to be traded this upcoming season. First off, why would you do that? Look, I understand that Blake Snell is making about $7 million and he's going to be slated to make a little bit more in the coming years and that he's a guy like Chris Archer a few years ago that you could flip for some high-level prospects. What did Chris Archer get you? It got you Austin Meadows, Tyler Glasnow, and Shane Baz. Blake Snell is going to get you a load like that as well. But if you're the Tampa Bay Rays, you need Snell to compete now. I don't know why they are even entertaining offers for him at this point because the Rays, in my opinion, are still a top three team in the American League. There's no reason to give up on your dreams of competing for a World Series now just because your manager made a mistake and pulled Snell way too early in Game 6 of the World Series. A lot of people have him linked to the Seattle Mariners as being a part of a deal that would send potentially a Jared Kelenic or a Julio Rodriguez, two of the top outfield prospects in baseball, back to Tampa Bay. And people have noted that Jerry DePoto has loved trading with Tampa Bay since he has arrived as Seattle's general manager. Personally, I don't think that trading Snell is going to happen. I think the Rays realize that noise is noise 
and they're just going to have to continue to move forward with what they're doing right now because what they are as an organization is a team that almost won a World Series in 2020 and can very well win one in 2021 if they add the right pieces and are able to build a more solidified starting pitching staff that goes beyond just Blake Snell and Tyler Glasnow. You don't have Charlie Morton anymore, which means that Ryan Yarbrough is going to end up being a part of your rotation next year, or he'll be the bulk pitcher that he has been, and you'll still continue to use an opener with him, whether that be a Nick Anderson or a Ryan Thompson or a Peter Fairbanks or whoever you want to use in that opening role if you're Kevin Cash. I think the Blake Snell rumors are pretty much nothing. So before we finish up the show today, I want to just address why we're going to be going into some more season and review type episodes moving forward and why we've been more quiet than usual during the month of November. Because of what the pandemic has done in regards to finances for Major League Baseball teams, it is pretty clear that the offseason is going to be very slow like it was a few years ago. Teams are going to wait until the last minute to be able to sign guys, and teams are going to try and lowball guys because they know that the players have no leverage. These guys are free agents. They're not going to get the type of money that they would have been able to get last offseason. Everybody knows that Major League Baseball is going to use the crying poor card as their excuse for not handing out big contracts to free agents, and you know what? That will be what that will be. The first guys off the board in this market are going to set the market for the offseason. On the pitching side, that's going to be Trevor Bauer for the Reds. On the offensive side, that's going to be George Springer for the Astros. Maybe it's JT Realmuto from the Phillies, but in regards to pitching, it's absolutely going to be Trevor Bauer. What Bauer signs for is going to dictate the rest of the free agent market. Charlie Morton signing for $15 million over one year gives hope that somebody like a Bauer is going to be able to sign for at least $20 million a year, probably more. But again, we don't know how these MLB front offices are going to function in the age of pandemic dollars. They are probably going to lowball guys to the point where guys are going to look for the best deal anywhere they can find it, whether it be with the team they last played with or with another random team. You're not going to see guys flying off the shelves. There is no winter meetings this year. There is no peak free agency period. The offseason has started, but do you really feel like it's here in full swing? The answer is clearly no. Okie doke, everybody. That is it for today's edition of MLB Morning Coffee. We will be back at you tomorrow, whether there is minor league baseball news or not. Again, this podcast is brought to you by Sit, Stay, Paw. Go check them out at sitstaypaw.com. That's sitstaypaw.com. Have a great day, everybody, and we'll catch you in the a.m.